to the Wild Wisdom Podcast with Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm Dr. Patricia. This podcast is for people who want to transform their health, restore their hormones, and reconnect to their body's natural wisdom. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia. I'm a Canadian medical doctor, published author, internationally recognized researcher, and passionate advocate for your health. Here, we'll explore the intersection between ancient wisdom and cutting-edge science, distilling the essence of true health into practical steps you can take. Wild wisdom is instinctive knowledge in action. Thanks for making this part of your day. Environmental toxins and endometriosis, are they one of the root causes of this very difficult condition? We're going to cover all of this and more on today's Wild Wisdom Show. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm a holistic medical doctor. I'm a functional medicine practitioner, specialist in physical medicine and rehabilitation, and I love taking complicated science and break it down for you so that you can understand it with easy to apply actionable strategies that you can start implementing right away in your life so you can see immediate results. And today we're going to be talking about endometriosis and toxins. Are they one of the root causes? Now, if you're joining me for the first time, I want you to know that I've been doing uh, covering the topic of endometriosis for a few episodes now, including why do they happen, what's an endometriosis diet that supports the improvement of endometriosis, what are supplements that decrease the pain and size of endometriosis lesions. And today, we're going to be talking about the root causes of endometriosis and whether or not we should be thinking about environmental toxins. And if so, what can we do to help those toxins uh, you know, exit our body so that they don't provoke or worsen endometriosis? So first, let's talk about what are toxins? And in this case, we're going to be talking about environmental pollutants, you know, pollutants that are found in our air, in our water, in our food, in our cosmetics, in our body care and products and household cleaning products. It is an unfortunate reality that as a result of industrialization and the creation of new products, um, we were not aware as these products were being created and released uh, on the market that there would be consequences to the materials used in these products and that they would negatively interact with human health. And there is actually a lot of research to support this. I'm going to be relying on two research papers in particular, but there are many, many more. One was published in 2019 called The Environmental Toxins and the Impact of Other Endocrine Disrupting Chemicals in Women's Reproductive Health. Another study that is called The Environment and Endometriosis, a Toxic Relationship published in 2015. So you can see that these are relatively recent. And so, yes, our understanding of the impact of these uh, toxins is a relatively recent one. And we need to start acting on this information sooner rather than later, because it's not just endometriosis. They also aggravate other hormone imbalances. Uh, and so it's important for us to be aware of this and to start taking action. You'll notice that they use the term endocrine disrupting chemicals, or uh, for short, EDCs. And this is what, if you want to look it up in research, is that's the term you have to use if you want to find research on this topic of toxins causing hormone imbalances in women and manifesting in things like endometriosis, fibroids, 
endometrial cancer, breast cancer, and so on. And the reason that it's called endocrine disrupting chemicals is because endocrine is the medical term for uh, hormone production. So endocrine glands, like your thyroid, your ovaries, the testes, those are all endocrine glands, glands that make hormones. So endocrine disrupting chemicals, by definition, are chemicals that have been proven by research, in research, in animals and humans to disrupt our endocrine glands, to interfere with the production of hormones in our body. And we're going to look into why this is happening and what you can do about it, which is what I love. So I'm not going to give you a problem without a solution. You need to have solutions in your toolbox. So why has this become such a problem? Global production of EDCs have increased 23.5 times between 1947 and 2007. So we have been exposed to a massive amount of environmental toxins that specifically disrupt our human hormone balance. And women are particularly sensitive, obviously, to the hormonal issue. Men are as well. But it may explain why women have so much higher incidence of thyroid disease, of problems with Alzheimer's, obviously breast cancers. So it's really important for us women uh, to be aware of this issue. And again, I'm going to give you some um, strategies at the end of what to do to avoid and assist detoxification and elimination of these toxins. I want to just say hello to people who are joining me live from my Facebook group for women called Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills. Uh, please feel free to put in your name and where you're joining in from. And if you have any questions, be sure to put them in. I would love to answer them for you. So it's interesting because some studies, whenever studies are done looking at uh, the blood levels of women in, for example, countries like the U.S., some of them even show that 99 to 100% of women have detectable EDCs, endocrine disrupting chemicals, in their blood. And they have been found in the cord blood, the, you know, the, in, in um, babies in utero. So that's very, very scary and empowering to know about because that means you can start doing something about it. Why is it so prevalent in our body? Well, EDCs are found in pesticides. So if you're eating non-organic foods, you're ingesting it, you're actually eating it. In your personal hygiene products, so cosmetics, body lotions, uh, particularly the ones that say that have fragrance or parfum, P-A-R-F-U-M on them. So any scented lotions that are scented with anything other than essential oils, they have EDCs in them. Food packaging, it's in the lining of uh, plastic bottles, um, food packaging, um, plastic containers. So if you're someone who grew up microwaving your food in plastic containers, yikes, you definitely have to help that stuff get out. Um, and you have to stop doing it if you're still doing it. You only use glass containers in microwaves or for heating up your food or for storing any food that might get hot. Um, if it's in, if it's cold, stored in plastic, it's not as bad, but the heat starts to release the chemicals into the food, and that has been proven. Um, also, toys, 
in children's toys, plastic toys in particular, soft plastic toys for sure, and uh, chemical drugs. So it's pervasive in our environment. So the question becomes more less of do I have it in me and more of what can I do to avoid the exposure and how can I get rid of whatever is inside? I'm going to give a few examples and you may be familiar with some and not as familiar with others. Bisphenol A, BPA, is found in the blood of many humans. Fortunately, it is broken down within four to five hours of getting into your bloodstream, but a, a significant portion of it can actually go into your fat tissues and accumulate there. And the same thing happens for animals. So it can be accumulated in animal fat uh, and it can be disruptive in that organ, in the fat tissue. So that is something that you need to know about. And when we talk about detoxification, you do want to do the kind of detoxification that will mobilize it out of your fat, get it out of your fat. I see here, I've got a few viewers and I have Brittany from Florida joining me. Hi, Brittany. It's a pleasure to have you here today. And Lisa from San Francisco, functional medicine counselor student. Wonderful ladies. Thank you so much for joining. If questions do come up, definitely ask away. So the second example I want to give you are the phthalates, and it's spelled P-H-T-H-A-L-A-T-E-S. It's quite the mouthful. It came up on my research in fibroids as well as in endometriosis and in breast cancer. So it is a pervasive EDC for women's health concerns. It's found in plastics as well, um, in addition to syringes in medical equipment, blood bags, food containers and unfortunately in cosmetics in quite high amounts. And the Food and Drug Administration of the U.S. did a study in women compared to men looking at how much phthalates women had in their bodies compared to men. And women were just so much higher than men. And it's thought to be because of our use of cosmetics. So getting clean and green on your cosmetics is going to be so key. What's interesting is that phthalates are banned by the European community but not banned in the U.S. or Brazil. And I'm sure there's other countries as well. Those are just the ones that I'm aware of. In Canada, where I live, Canada restricts the use of six phthalates. So phthalates is like a family of um, chemicals that are similar in structure, but there's many different kinds. And it restricts the use of phthalates in children's toys and articles, but it does not yet ban their use in food packaging, cleaning products, cosmetics, paints, and other products. So they're missing the mark, in my opinion, in terms of not being more strict like the European community with respect to a full ban. It's just that dangerous for our female health and for men as well. But we are focusing on endometriosis today. Atrazine is interesting because it is a herbicide, like a pesticide, right? But it's a, a herbicide is what it's, it's categorization. And it is used in wheat crops, soy crops, and sugarcane crops. So if you're uh, eating non-organic bread and pasta, non-organic soy products, including tofu, and uh, non-organic sugar, because sugarcane crops are one of the highest, uh, well, beets, beets are some of the highest, but we get a lot of our sugar from cane crops, you may be ingesting a lot of these pesticides and atrazine. So going, going organic with your food choices is also extremely important, but particularly when you're having wheat, soy, and sugar products. Another example is pesticides like glyphosate. 
It's found in the blood of 50% of pregnant women in Salinas Valley, California, USA. And I just pulled that one out because it was a study that they particularly done looking at the fact that these uh, chemicals do get into our bodies. Okay. You don't just, they don't just sit there on the plant. When we eat that plant, it gets in us. So it's so important to know that. And this knowledge hopefully helps motivate and inform you with respect to your choices. You can go to um, the Environmental Working Group website, ewg.org, and they have a list every year called the Clean 15 and the Dirty Dozen. The Dirty Dozen are the uh, fruits and vegetables that have been shown to have the highest amount of pesticides on them, like strawberries and berries, because the pesticide gets in through that thin skin, versus the Clean 15, which have the lowest amount of pesticides, like avocados, which have a thick skin, and you don't eat the skin. So you're have, you have a lower exposure to pesticides when you choose those foods. Another example which will become relevant to endometriosis in particular is dioxins. I hadn't actually heard too much of dioxins before. Um, I had heard of BPA and phthalate and pesticides and atrazine. Dioxins were a bit of a new one for me. But once you start being aware of it, it's amazing how much research has been done on dioxins and its impact in females, it's a byproduct of herbicide production and paper bleaching. And when it gets into the environment, it also concentrates in our fat tissue and animal fat. Um, most of these toxins do, in fact, uh, like fat. They're called lipophilic. They love fat. So they like to hang out in our fat so they can persist in our body for long periods of time. Now, um, you know, these are endocrine disrupting chemicals, but do they actually cause endometriosis? So that's the next question that we have to look at. And they actually have done studies in humans, specifically looking at two categories, which are phthalates and dioxins. And what they found was that when they took women with advanced pelvic endometriosis, and they compared to them to women who did not have endometriosis, these women had increased level of phthalates. One study even found that there was twice as much phthalate in endometriosis women compared to women who did not have endometriosis. So that's a pretty significant um, indication, right? It's not proof that uh, dioxins cause endometriosis, uh, that uh, phthalates cause endometriosis, because to do that, you have to take a group of women, divide them into two groups, give one group the phthalates and not give the phthalates to the other group and see who develops endometriosis. I mean, that will never happen. We will never be able to prove causation, just like we cannot prove causation with smoking in that way. Our knowledge of smoking causing lung cancer is based off of these kinds of observational case control studies. So these studies are important to gain a better understanding. And I have here a comment here from a Facebook user saying that Salinas is a very agricultural area. Isn't that interesting? Thanks for letting me know. So that would suggest then that it could be, um, you know, that uh, if you're living near an agriculture area and, and not aware of this and not filtering your water properly or choosing the proper organic foods, you could be at increased risk. And, um, you know, these are just studies that are done on these women in these locations. If you were to do these studies on other women in other locations that are non-agricultural, but eating conventionally raised farms, it'd be interesting to see, do they also have increased levels of pesticides in their blood? And uh, I would guess that that would be the case because one of our major exposures is through the water and through the eating. 
Now, the other study that we've been looking at is human studies in dioxins. Again, when they look at women with versus without endometriosis, the dioxin levels were higher in their blood compared to women without endometriosis. The thing that you have to understand is that the majority of studies that have looked at this have found that, and there's been a couple of studies that have not. And the discussion around why you may not find these chemicals in women with endometriosis is because they do enter the blood, but they eventually leave the blood either because they've been broken down by the liver and either pooped out or peed out, or they've been absorbed into the tissues. And remember, endometriosis is a disorder of the tissues. So it is still possible uh, that there is a concern with these toxins, even though they're not detected in the blood, to the point where uh, even if you were to go to your doctor and say, um, you know, could you test me for these toxins to see if this is a risk factor for me? Even if, first of all, it's not a regular blood test. This is, these are tests that are done for research. So it'd have to be like a very specialized test that you'd have to pay for and find someone who could order it for you. But even if it were negative in the blood, it doesn't mean it's negative in the tissues. So then we're going to talk about, well, then what do I do about this? If I can't be sure if what, you know, to test whether I have it or not, what are my options? Well, your options are to avoid exposures of any endocrine disrupting chemicals, enhance their detoxification and elimination from the body. So I think we're going to cover that. And actually, this is very timely because Joanna here is asking, how do I detox from phthalates? So perfect segue, Joanna, thank you very much into what we are going to do to detox from phthalates. So first, you have to understand is that exposure to phthalates and dioxins and other EDCs is happening every day at every moment if you're not aware of the, of the things that could be introducing them into your system and taking steps towards minimizing exposure. So. Um, for example, really getting clean on your body products, your cosmetics, and your household products. And, you know, I stalled on this for so long, but I finally was like, you know what, I'm just going to take the time. And there's some really great websites. Again, ewg.org is a website by the Environmental Working Group, and they have databases, the Skin Deep database for cosmetics. Um, there is a household products, like a EWG verified products. It is a good place to start. Uh, you can even learn how to do your own um, household products. For some things, I just use a mixture of vinegar and water. Um, you know, I'll use baking soda to for odors. Things with odors in them, again, the fragrances and perfumes, so scented body lotions, scented shampoos that are that are not using essential oils. Like I like to use Karina Organics. That's C-A-R-I-N-A Organics. It's a great shampoo line. And you know, conditioner, face wash, they only use essential oils for scents. That's the kind of thing you're looking for. Even scented candles, when they combust into the air and you breathe them in, that, that has EDCs on them. Um, you know, really good quality perfumes that don't have synthetic um, you know, uh, fragrances in them is really, really key. You have to hone in on that. And then avoid, uh, you know, I have um, a filter for my water. So like a carbon filter would be very appropriate if you want to filter your water. Um, and avoiding plastic exposure. So when you go and buy a coffee or a tea in a store and they put it in a to-go cup and then they put that plastic lid on top, do not drink the water through that plastic lid. 
It's the disposable kind. You know what I'm talking about? That soft plastic. That is very gonna that's gonna expose you to a lot of these um, EDCs. Take the lid off and just drink it from the cup, or even better, bring your own to-go mug mug, because even the lining in that cup has some of those toxins that we've been talking about. A little bit every now and then, don't worry, right? But if you're someone who does that regularly, bring your own cup to go. It would be so worth it. Avoid plastic wraps, containers, and water bottles. I have gotten rid of all of my plastic containers and water bottles. I only use glass containers. Um, I do use some silicone bags for storage, but I wouldn't heat things in it. I really, uh, you know, we just don't know about that too well yet. But in terms of storage uh, um, for cold things, silicone is fine. Um, some people bake with silicone. I, I just can't comment on that. We don't, we're not exactly sure how well that works or not, but it's probably better. Um, definitely, you're not going to be baking with the plastic anyway. So that's not an issue. But anywhere where things are getting hot, like food or water, and the plastic water bottles, um, it can slowly leach over time into your water. That was the concern with BPA and the plastic water bottles. And especially if you're buying water on the go and the water sitting in those plastic water bottles, that depending on how long that water's been sitting in there, that can be a significant source. So avoid those things as much as possible. And nail polish. I am so sorry to say this, but nail polish chemicals do get into the system when you put them on. There are some low toxin nail polish options these days. Look into that and look for that especially if you like to get your nails done. And then another way to avoid ex exposure is through minimizing industrial animal fats and eating organic. What do I mean by industrial animal fats? Well, I live in Smithers, BC, and around me, there are some beautiful farms in the middle of nature. The animals are out. They're grazing on extremely clean grass and soil. The water here is, there's not a lot of industry around, so there's not a lot of water contamination. Although I'm always paying attention, is there like a paper mill or a sawmill nearby, right? And I would avoid getting meat from those kinds of places. Uh, when you're buying industrial meat, like the, the meats in large grocery stores or convenience stores, you have no idea these, these animals could be exposed to very high amounts of EDCs and it's hiding out in their fat. And when you eat it, you ingest it and you take on that toxic burden. What's interesting is when I came across this research, I had a bit of a, an aha moment because when I did research for the endometriosis diet, one of the diets that was shown to be helpful for endometriosis was a low fat, uh, low animal fat diet. So not low fat diet, like no, not low on olive oil and that kind of thing, but a low dairy, low animal meat diet was shown to be helpful for endometriosis. And the opposite was true. A high animal fat diet was shown to aggravate uh, and, you know, potentially assist in precipitating endometriosis. So I didn't quite understand why that was. And this could be one of the explanations. So maybe the quality of the animal meat matters. And if you're looking to prevent or improve your endometriosis, first try switching to a very good quality animal fat products, like from you know local farms or farms that you have vetted, you've looked into it, they look to be very clean uh, and they're organic, right? Organically fed. And then again, looking at that organic food, choosing the clean 15, 
Um, you know, if you can't afford to eat all organic, eat the clean 15 not organic and eat the dirty dozen organic. And that would be one way to move forward with these recommendations. And Johanna asked about detoxification of the uh, toxins like dioxins and phthalates. And the nice thing to know is that they detoxify similarly. So they go through the liver and the liver has the heroic job of taking those products and breaking them down into non-toxic products that the body then needs to get rid of. But sometimes the products, the breakdown products are toxic as well and the body still needs to eliminate it. So there's two big steps is the first detoxification by the liver. And then uh, the second is the second step of elimination, which I'll talk about next. But what I want you to understand is that we are unknowingly doing things that harm our liver and its ability to detoxify. So alcohol, alcohol, obviously, I mean, I think everyone knows this now, but I'll just repeat it. It damages the liver. And why? Because the liver has to do a massive amount of work to detoxify the alcohol. And that uses up what are um, the nutrients and the building blocks of liver of uh, that the liver has for detoxification, um, and it stresses out the parts of the liver that are responsible for detoxification. The liver has a recovery phase; it needs a recovery phase, and it can also only do so much. Which is why, when you take, uh, for example, Tylenol, they tell you not to drink as well, or if you take antibiotics, they tell you not to drink alcohol as well, because pharmacists and doctors know that. If you have too many toxins that the liver has to detoxify at once, it harms the liver. It's called liver toxicity, hepatotoxicity. It's a known potential uh, problem when you take on too many toxins. And so if you're drinking alcohol regularly and you're being exposed to these toxins, your body may simply not be able to keep up with the detoxification process. So protecting the liver by minimizing and other things that are hard on the liver are the exposure to this toxin. So minimizing your exposure in the first place. There are people out there who will say there are certain supplements that will be supportive. And the thing you have to understand is that these supplements have been shown to support the liver, but not necessarily endometriosis. I did a whole uh, show on supplements that support endometriosis. And we don't know, is it because it's supporting the liver? But interestingly, a lot of those supplements do actually support the liver, like curcumin, calcium deglucrate. So interestingly, uh, if, you're inter if you're interested, check out that last episode that I did. If you're watching this on YouTube, it's on the playlist endometriosis. And there's a bunch of uh, research proven supplements that help endometriosis. And it could be that some of their effects is through supporting the liver and its detoxification. So isn't that interesting? Connecting all the dots. Uh, that second step of elimination is you got to get it out of the body. The liver breaks it down into smaller pieces, but then we got to have to get those smaller pieces in out of the body. And you either pee it out, you poop it out, or you sweat it out. And interestingly, with these ones, um, the sweat is very important because that's how we get the toxins out of the fat. So they did a very interesting study, and it's called the blood urine sweat study. And for toxins that are hiding out in our fat, like the dioxins and the phthalates, then you have to sweat them out. And that's either through exercise, but actually even more effective is saunas. And it looks like, you know, some people say the infrared sauna is better than the hot sauna. It really doesn't matter so much for this in, in the sense that you just need to get the internal body temperature 
hot enough that your body starts to sweat and you pour out the sweat and they've analyzed the sweat and in the sweat is coming out the toxins, which is so cool. So I personally, um, I have a lot of habits in my life to support me being endometriosis free and other issues free, which is I filter my water. I do buy or prioritize buying organics. I buy quality meat. Um, I minimize meat consumption, but I do eat meat. Um, I eat a lot of vegetables, a lot of um, fruits, and I sauna twice a week. I really love my infrared sauna. I go in twice a week and I just absolutely adore it. And I know it's so helpful on so many levels. Um, and then the thing about the fruits and the vegetables is important because the, the second root of elimination that's very, very important is the poop. Because when the liver, so the, the, the toxins that are hiding out in the fat have to be sweat, sweated out. But the toxins that are in the blood, that are going through the blood, they have to be, they have to go through the liver and be detoxified. And then the liver takes those toxins, that dumps it into the bile. And if you have a gallbladder, it gets concentrated in the gallbladder and then squeezed out. If you don't have a gallbladder, it just kind of drips out. But in the end, that bile gets into your gut and mixes up with your poop. And then you have to poop it out. So if you have problems with constipation, that's giving those toxins more time to get reabsorbed back into your body. So all that work your liver did just out the window because it's back in there. So you should be pooping at least once a day. And I'm a person who has issues with constipation. It's something I've had since I was six years old, as far as I can remember. And I do things every day to support pooping. And if I go through a day, so the regular things I do is hydration, you know, getting at least, um, you know, eight glasses of water or 2.5 liters of mineralized water a day, eating lots of fruits and vegetables, more vegetables than fruits. And if that's not enough, I will take some magnesium citrate to help the bowels go. And sometimes I even do a wa warm water enema. If I'm really constipated, if I haven't gone for a couple of days, I do a warm water enema and I get it out. It's very safe. And it's better to do something like that than to have to poop the poop stay in you for more than a couple of days. That is my opinion, and I'm sticking by it. I think detoxification is so important, and getting your poops out is foundational for hormone balance in so many different ways. Because, by the way, that's how your estrogen is detoxified is through your poop, too. So, many, many um, things. And I'm going to give you a few more comments here. And I have here a question. From Brittany, Brittany's saying, do you know if you put the water from a plastic bottle into a steel water bottle, is it okay to drink that water? Sometimes I do that and then put it in the fridge. Great question, Brittany. I would say the answer to that is no. It would not be okay if, you're, if your priority is the toxins because the water has sat in that plastic bottle and the toxins have leached from the plastic bottle into, your, into the water. Now you're putting that water into the steel water bottle it's still in the water. So, um, you know, things you can do is you can, uh, and so there's different things. Like, for example, some people have those big water jugs, right? Like the really, really big, thick plastic water bottles that people use when they can't drink their own water at home. Well, presumably you're, you're you know, you're filling up that water jug. Uh, there's two options. You can buy them with the water already in it, um, in which case it's going to more, be more likely to have the plastic toxins in it, right? Because you don't know how long it's been sitting there for. Or the other option is you can have your own jug and you go refill it at your local store, which, you know, for example, locally here, Safeway um, has a, a filter uh, water um, pump and you go and you get water and it's all purified, reverse osmosis, all that kind of stuff. And you fill that water bottle up. 
then you drink that water. That water has not been sitting in plastic for as long as the ones that you buy already, you know, preloaded into that plastic bottle. And then same thing, if you have a plastic water bottle and you and you get water from a fountain or a tap and it sits there for only a short period of time and then you drink it and it doesn't get hot, chances of there being plastic in that water is very low. But if it's been sitting in a plastic water bottle, you buy the water in that plastic bottle, you don't know how long it's been there. And I don't know if you've seen like transport trucks, they get hot, the water sits in those plastic water bottles, it leaches into the water. The reason BPA became such a hot topic was because they analyzed the water in these plastic um, bottles and found BPA in high levels in the, in the water. So um, to answer your question, I would say that that would not be ideal. Um, and it would be better to, to fill your steel bottle from a tap with it. And you can get those Brita on the counter carbon filters if you want to be extra good about getting really good quality water. Just let your water, um, you know, any carbon filter um, uh, water jug will work. Some people will install carbon filters underneath their sink so that all of the water coming out of their tap has been filtered with carbon. Um, the reason I like carbon over reverse osmosis is because reverse osmosis water, it they, they drain out all of the minerals with reverse osmosis and you have to add it back in. You have to remineralize it, which you can definitely do, but it's just a little bit more work. Um, and in most cases, it's overkill. It's not that necessary, but it depends on the quality of your water. Um, if you're on well water, then you have to, you know, get specific filters for that. But generally speaking, use a steel water bottle from the get-go, a glass or steel water bottle. The other thing I want to say about um, the peeing is, again, like many of us are dehydrated and we don't even know it. Uh, we're drinking dehydrating things like coffee um, and we're not hitting our, you know, roughly two and a half liters of water per uh, day. And if your water is not mineralized, then that water doesn't stay in you very long to help with detoxification. So if you go to my YouTube playlist, How To, I have a, I have a video there on how to mineralize your water at home using Himalayan salt or natural sea salt. Um, and you can do that at home. And that helps with your hydration significantly. So in summary, while, uh, we, the, while research cannot conclusively prove that toxins like EDCs cause endometriosis, just like research cannot prove conclusively that smoking causes cancer simply because we cannot do the research to, to take a group of people without the cancer or endometriosis, divide them into two and give one group the smoking and one group the toxins and see if they develop these conditions. Um, the research is pointing very strongly at the fact that just like uh, people with lung cancer tend to be tend to be more often smokers than not, people with endometriosis tend to have higher levels of these toxins in their blood. So it is important to really take on the effort to avoid exposure and assist in your detoxification. Next week, we're going to be talking about the link between your stress and your endometriosis. Here's the thing. When you have a condition like endometriosis, there is not one thing that caused it. It is a combination of things that have all worked together and, and probably intersected with your genetics to express itself as endometriosis. So when you're trying to reverse endometriosis or improve it, you have to hit it from every angle that could possibly be contributing. So the more you learn about everything that has been shown to contribute to the formation and worsening of endometriosis and address all of those things, the higher likelihood you're gonna have 
of improving it. Like if you just buy the supplements and that's all you do, but you don't address your diet, you don't address the toxins and you don't consider the stress piece, then you're probably not going to see the shift that you're hoping for and wishing for. And that's what I want for you. I want you to experience those shifts. So I want to thank all the ladies who joined me today and who put in their questions and participation. Thank you so much. It made it so much more enjoyable for me, much better value for the people watching with your excellent questions. So thank you. If you're watching this as a replay, please save, subscribe, and share. Sharing is caring. We need more women out there with this information so they can be empowered to make the changes as well for their better health. I look forward to seeing you next week. Have a wonderful rest of your day, evening, or night. Bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, Wild Wisdom with Dr. Patricia Mills. If you like this podcast, please take the time to like and subscribe. And please feel free to leave any comments and look below for the contact information if you want to connect with me directly. Thank you. And I hope you have a wonderful day, evening or night. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for a professional care doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for help in your journey, it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner. If you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance, please email her at info at drpatriciamills.com to book a discovery call. You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode. It is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health. 